lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, just a few short days removed from WrestleMania week. Yes, it has come and gone four straight days, chock full of pro wrestling, hour to hour, nearly all day long. <laughs> um, enough enough wrestling, honestly, that you could spend another four days watching stuff. I know myself, there were things I didn't get to during the week. I had to go have a backlog to get, get through um, as this week has progressed. Finally caught up, though, as we are ready to release our podcasts covering uh, the uh, events that took place over this week, starting today right here with the first night of WrestleMania 38 from the WWE. Um, obviously, we're going to have four shows coming out uh, over the course of the next uh, two days. Two today, two tomorrow. Today, you get WrestleMania Night 1 right here, right now. We are also releasing our recap of Effie's Big Gay Brunch Dallas featuring uh, the debut of uh, Divine Diana Ramsey joining me on that show to chat all about the biggest, gayest, queerest pro wrestling event in the state of Texas uh, in quite some time, I would say, possibly ever. Either way, it was a celebration. But before we get there, WrestleMania Night 1. Very happy to welcome back uh, Patches Chance from Let Them Wrestle and Real Sport 101. Uh, friend of the show, frequent guest of the show, coming back on to talk about night one, all about Cody's big debut, Bianca and Becky just killing it, um, and of course, the final match of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, it was a eventful, eventful night one, and you know I think there there's definitely a lot to uh, unpack and a lot to discuss. From night one, I will go ahead and say at the end of this episode, we recorded this episode on Sunday, uh, the afternoon after night one, prior to night two, and uh, I will say that our takes on or our guesses on night two as comparing to night one might have been a little off. Who knows? That you'll find out my thoughts on night two tomorrow whenever I welcome Darnell Mitchell to the show uh, to talk about night number two of WrestleMania 38, but either way, uh, it was a amazing weekend of events, uh, amazing four days, so many different things happening, so many outstanding talents showcasing their skills, um, you know, I have obviously will have a, a bit more to say about what matches stood out to me whenever I released the uh, top 25 LGBTQ matches for Mania Week. List that's going to be coming out on Friday, so keep your eyes peeled there. So let me tell you real quick before we, because we're about to hop into this conversation with Patches, but that list was so much harder to do this year, <laughs> and not because there was less to choose from. There was so much more to choose from, and all of it was just off the charts good, and I love having that problem, y'all. Like. I'm not going to lie, I stewed over the last spot. I stewed over what match is going to be the 25th uh, match on that list because there are a number that deserve to be there, and I only have so many spots because I have to 
self-imposed limits on myself. Um, either way, though, that list will come out Friday. Make sure uh, after this one, go listen to Effie's Big Gay Brunch recap. That's coming out today as well. Tomorrow, WrestleMania Night 2 with Darnell Mitchell, as well as uh, our review of GCW for the culture with my uh, fiance KC. Uh, it's just going to be a whole lot of action going on uh, on LGBT in the ring this week. And we're kicking it all off right now with WrestleMania 38, night number one with Patches Chance. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And it is WrestleMania week or post-WrestleMania week now, uh, whenever you're hearing this. Uh, what we are recording this uh, on Sunday, one night, or less than a night, really, after WrestleMania night number one, WrestleMania 38, first night's in the books. And we need to talk about it a bit because, my God, uh, all of the things that went down on this show, the highs and the lows. Uh, and here to do that with me is uh, one of the co-founders of Let Them Wrestle, Patches Chance. How are you doing, Patches? Good. Thanks for having me. Good to be oh, back. Glad to have you back. Always fun to have you on the show, especially when we have an event like this to talk about. Because, oh, yeah. My God. Um, it, it was a night. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they talk about WrestleMania being like the, the, the spectacle, the showcase and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it doesn't always live up to that. No, but there were and, moments and tonight. That definitely sometimes happened. they struggle, but, you know, sometimes they really hit their stride. And uh, a lot of this show hit its stride mm-hmm. more than I expected. Likewise, likewise as well. I mean, there was I feel like there were some matches that we kind of knew we're going to deliver and then some that really like surprised and, and it all kind of came together for a really fun night yeah. of, of pro wrestling. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that, but as we're doing with all of our guests on the show uh, this week, as we recap WrestleMania week, I want to ask you outside of WrestleMania, what other stuff have you seen during Mania week from all of the countless independents that have been running uh, and what what matches have stood out to you? I want to know what made you like like move your needle a little bit here. So, I mean, there's so much to go through. And I, I've got so many shows that I'm looking forward to finding the time to go through later. But I did. There were a couple that I really just had to see as they happened. Um, the big one for me was Effie and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> I, I, I was not not watching that live. I didn't care if it came on at 4 a.m. I was I was watching that match live. You know, I wasn't there, but I was sitting at home enjoying every second of it, probably waking my roommates up and I didn't care. Um, <laughs> it, it was fantastic. It was and really it was all the spectacle and violence that I think everyone who knows Effie knew we could expect. And we finally got to see Minoru Suzuki kind of lean into that moment and, you know, I'm sure there's some people who hate on Effie who are very, very angry about it, and they can go sit there and just deal with that. Hell yes. Ah, God, that match was everything that that I think anybody could want from that sort of thing. You get a bit of the murder daddy in Minoru Suzuki, but you also get like full DDT Minoru Suzuki at the same time. Exactly. That's the thing is people don't know how much Suzuki is good at comedy and how much that he can 
kind of lean into that style at other times and getting to see him kind of blend that element with the fact that he never works an American match without doing a large chunk of it in his style, in his more strong style, hard hitting stuff. He got to kind of mix that in a very different kind of match in front of a crowd that's expecting a little of both. And so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was a perfect fit for, for the kind of mindset that you go into spring break with, honestly. Yeah. Like you get a little bit of zany, you get some actual wrestling, like quote unquote actual wrestling. It's all actual wrestling. If you get some mm-hmm. fun. But like, yeah, like that that was a, a that was a standout match for me as well, honestly. I that, um, that was a really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Uh, another one that I haven't actually gotten to see. Um, blank. There it is. I was blanking on a name. One that I haven't actually gotten to see yet, but I've seen clips of and heard talk about um, that really stood out in what I've seen is, uh, I believe it was at Murder Mania um, in New York. It was Casanova Valentine and Tony Nese. Oh, yes. And that they went full deathmatch. And I haven't gotten to see the full thing yet, but I've seen uh, after the match, Tony Nese got on the microphone and basically gave Casanova the respect he deserved, gave the respect to deathmatch wrestling. And, you know, it was, uh, I sent it to a friend of mine and he was really kind of hit by it um, because he was like, this is what trainers are supposed to do for their students. This is what wrestling is supposed to be. Yeah, I actually watched Murder Mania earlier this morning. Um, I went. I went back and watched it. And one, yes, go watch that match. Go watch Casanova Valentine and Tony Nese from Creators Don't Die down in the Dallas area. Um, hell of a match. That whole card really was good. But but yeah. specifically to Casanova and Tony, like that moment at the end, really just injected a match that was already emotional with so mm. much more. And really, you could tell. You could see it on Casanova's face like yeah. how that moment was was hitting him um also uh should note tony niece also formally retired from deathmatch wrestling after that match. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and honestly i don't blame him i as, don't blame him either as someone who really adores deathmatch wrestling if you don't want to then get out get out fast <laughs> exactly he got his um, light tube shots in and yeah he got, he, he he got, got his moments and he, he was done i get that um the other uh big ones uh before we get to the only full start to finish every single second show that I watched, which I'm sure you know which one it was. <laughs> um, the other one that was really fun uh, in so many different ways was the clusterfuck at Joey Janela Spring Break. So starting with American males, <laughs> American males. <laughs> oh. It's such a perfect moment that like the guy in the crowd screaming, yes, fuck yes, as soon as it started playing. <laughs> no one else had registered, but he knew. He knew. And that was There's always well. one. <laughs> and, you know, it's just so great. It's so perfect. Buff got his moment. He got to really kind of enjoy the entrance, you know, clearly still rehabbing a knee injury. He was able to get in the ring, take his hit and, you know, it's something that uh, my sibling and I have talked about on our WCW podcast, uh, World Championship Rewind, that it's really, really nice to get to see some of these guys from that era who have clearly had rough lives and have clearly had the stresses of that era weigh upon them now get to kind of come back and get their flowers while they're still here. 
Um, it was something we talked about because we did an episode on Royal Rumble 96, looking at kind of what WWF is doing at the time. Uh, immediate, we recorded that immediately after Scott Hall passed. Mm. And it, one of the kind of silver linings, as much as it sucks to lose Scott Hall, is that, you know, many thanks to Diamond Dallas Page and many thanks to Kimberly Page, who was the whole reason that Diamond Dallas Page even tried yoga in the first place, um, getting him clean, getting him rehabbed in a way that he was able to have that last run and get the Hall of Fame induction and actually understand what he means to fans before he's gone. Um, something that we need to do, you know, for all wrestling, for queer elders, for so many people, you know, they need their flowers while they're here. They deserve to know. No, I completely agree. And and honestly, like, you know, as for as much shit as Joey Janela gets, rightly do sometimes, um, you he, know. He's, he's leaning into much of it. Um, he, and, he does, yeah. And, you know, I get it. Yeah, but for for as much for as much shit as he does get, he's been an integral part of that sort of process, especially when yeah. it comes to GCW. I mean, you know, working with Scott Hall, working Sean Waltman the night before, which, by the way, Sean Waltman, working that with a torn bicep, my God. Yeah, and looked as great as ever. Yeah, I and mean, then, looked yeah looked looked all of the Lightning Kid at times, and he was killing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's one of those that you know, whether that's the end for him or, like he said, he just can't stop, so he'll just gonna keep on going. Then, you know, if you can keep going, go. And I'm glad that he gets to do it. You know, even if it's only a couple times a year. You know, same thing as seeing Sting in AEW. He can still do it. Why not? Exactly. We'll get, we'll get to one of those when we get to WrestleMania later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> it might um, be like next to like that and Sting might be the epitome of that sort yeah, of set right now. Um, and then the other big show that, of course, I had to catch every second of was Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Because it's Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Um, it was fantastic. It was It was everything we always expect from it. Uh, every match delivered, just great stuff. Um, it, it's hard to pick a favorite moment from it. Just there were so many good things. I think Paro screaming, send a ref or I'll fucking kill her. <laughs> it's definitely up there for me. <laughs> and then he did himself. He, he sent himself. Effie sent to Effie and, and Paro screwed Paro. Um <laughs> It's just great stuff. And then we got to see Pimpinella in the main event. It was, it was fantastic. It was, it was what we always expect from that show. Exactly. I mean, Big Gay Brunch delivered like it always does. And we have an episode coming out this week as well, talking about the Big Gay Brunch in full in mass. But a little preview, I guess, if you haven't listened to that episode yet. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that whole show was top to bottom really fun. Um, I think uh, it was dope to see Carlos Romo. Uh, yeah. on that stage uh because that, yeah. that's a dude that i've been wanting to see for a while now get, and, get back into the american scene and an amazing moment for kid bandit getting oh my stage. god yes um and and such a great such a great you know gear and look for the show and and some great moments oh yeah all that through the match that whole scramble was so great i i want sean i want shea person just constantly yelling enter my guard while yes. he's just spread yes. eagle on the ground. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And shapers are like on the list of things that I didn't know I needed. Mike sacrificed sing-alongs before matches. Oh. Sorry, that's now required. That's y'all blame Shay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> also, I, I'll talk more about this on the on the actual Big Days Brunch uh, recap episode of the show. But shout out to Kida and Billy Dixon, uh, oh, not yeah. just for an outstanding match, but oh, also and... as a bit of like personal like flattery. Throwing that QWY reference in there. <laughs> yes, yes, I I I saw that. I knew you would appreciate it. Um, and that reminds me, the one other I have to call out for the weekend from For the Culture, Hoodfoot oh, yes. and Billy Dixon. That death match. My just, God. It's just violent magic. Yeah. Just just, just sheer brutality. And <sighs> and I love it. I love every second of it. Yeah. Like that whole that whole match is a moment in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't even I still haven't got I we're, we're doing an episode on for the culture as well this week and I still don't know if I have the correct words to express how I felt yeah. about that match. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's it's something special. It's yeah. something truly special. God, it was amazing. Those two I, I see that they've somewhat buried the hatchet now post well, that, but I yeah. want I and want more. <laughs> I I imagine there's you can't help but after having a moment like that to want to talk about how much it means to you. Um, so, you know, I totally get them wanting to kind of express that after because it was something truly unforgettable. But I mean, give it a few weeks. One of them will piss the other off. <laughs> <laughs> so is wrestling. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they do. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about WrestleMania. Let's talk about the reason why all these companies are running down there in the first place. Uh, WrestleMania 38, night number one in the books. We had six matches, uh, supposed to be seven, but we got six. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously headlined by Stone Cold Steve Austin's retirement match, official retirement match against Kevin Owens. Which and, we did not know was happening going in. Yeah. We, I did. we knew something was happening. <laughs> Yes, there was a lot of playing coy on this show uh, yes. in, in the build-up to it. Obviously, with yeah. Austin as well as the most, like the sec, like probably the most well-known secret in pro wrestling post CM Punk's return, in in Cody coming back to WWE to face Seth Rollins. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, it just had a mystique to it. It, it did, and they, you know. This is one of those things that I think, you know, WWE has definitely fallen into this trap many, many times over the years. And it's that, uh, that fear of predictability. That as you kind of tease things and it's clear things are going a certain way, they kind of sometimes will fall back and go, no, we want to be shocking. We want to go against the grain. We want to surprise you. So you think anything can happen. And sometimes they're so stuck on doing that. They ruin good things that are not broken. And they managed to get out of their own way on more of this show than I expected them to. And just kind of let things be exactly what they needed to be. Yeah, it, that sense of, of uh, understanding was definitely present on the show, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. Even if, you know, they somehow only got six matches onto a four-hour show. Yeah. Well, um, I think technically seven. So we ended up being. Technically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I, 
I, I was going to get this out of the way up front because it was frustrating to me just the, the sheer amount of like ad breaks and, yes. and video packages um, if you are so if you are fully subscribed to Peacock on the show. So going in, I was already frustrated because I made a terrible, terrible mistake. I watched the pre-show. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, going in, I, I've... <laughs> I've been a little out of the loop on WWE. I've caught clips. I've been aware of everything that's happening, but Raw gets progressively worse and my time gets progressively smaller. And so I don't always catch every show. And so kind of going into Mania, I thought, hey, you know, let's watch the pre-show. Sometimes there's a match on the kickoff. Let's just make sure, like maybe R-Truth will show up and do something funny. I'm sure it'll be fine. No, it was absolutely horrendous. This fucking Jake Paul showed up. Jerry Lawler was there. It was trash. And so... I was two hours of angry going into this show and <laughs> it's just not happy at all with what was happening. I was mad as soon as the opener started because Shinsuke Nakamura was wearing an advertisement. Oh gosh. <laughs> yes. It's just, it was not all. Oh, and the, uh, uh, America, the beautiful sang by alt-right NPCs. That was fun. <laughs> Varying <laughs> definitions of saying. <laughs> So yeah, it, it was it was a rocky start, um, but they uh, they did eventually get things going. No, for sure. Like and and I guess this is a good point to kind of get into the the actual card a bit now. You know, like I, I the video package and advertisement thing, like that's just kind of a known quantity now with WWE. And, and it is. It was definitely overdone in this one, partly yeah. because um, I think what's most frustrating, and I I get on a very basic level why they do it and why they decided to do it but at the same time you have two nights of wrestlemania why did you spend an hour of night one talking about night two yeah like because that's how it felt there were so many video packages hyping things that were not happening on night one that it, it got to the point where every time it pop up it's like okay well stop time to stop paying attention because yeah. that's not happening tonight it got to the point where I just after every segment I just muted my 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 stuff like pre yeah. um like before anything yeah preemptively there's the word I was trying to think of thank you patches <laughs> <laughs> I just muted it preemptively it's like all right I got like two minutes now yeah where I can just like not pay attention to anything and then I'll come back so no but speaking of advertisements let's just jump into the first match you alluded to it Shinsuke Nakamura Rick Boogs going up against the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, obviously, uh, Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura coming out in their finest Mike's Harder Lemonade. I believe beer. it's a half tea, half lemonade. Cool. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 look, I'm, I'm happy that Shinsuke's happy. I'm happy that he gets to do dumb shit and wear silly things and get guitar entrances and surf and spend time with his family and make boatloads of money. But something in my soul dies when Shinsuke Nakamura is in the WrestleMania opener wearing advertisements as gear. Like, yeah. it, it just felt wrong. And, and, you know, that's nothing against him. It's just knowing what he's capable of and seeing him in things like this always feels like you could be so much more. <laughs> and the thing that bothered me is that, like, the color scheme worked for him. Like, yeah, that orange I mean, and I mean, yellow it, it, was so good. It looked fantastic. If they had just taken all the logos away, I really wouldn't have cared. I liked their gear. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the Mike's Harder logos on the, the guitar amps and the uh, screens that was like, oh, and then commentary wouldn't shut up about it. 
<laughs> the common theme at the night. Yeah. God, how many times did I see that? Not just on Shinsuke, but that that Mike's harder commercial throughout yeah. the entire night. Anyway, so we, unfortunately, this match really doesn't get out of the gates because of uh, the injury to Rick Boogs. Um, yeah. Reportedly, which... uh, torn patella tendon and quad to some extent. Yeah, so. I think I heard quad patella. I think they're hopeful, but it's going to require surgery either way. So yeah. um, it, it's a rough moment. And obviously he was probably, you know, going through a lot, having that kind of stage. Um, I don't know for sure that this is his first WrestleMania match, but I think it might be. Um, I'm pretty definitely sure it his is, first yeah. of this caliber. Um, he may have been in one of the uh, Battle Royals before, but not in a big match like this. Um, but, you know, wish him nothing but the best recovery and i'm sure he'll be back on smackdown killing it is you know as soon as he can walk comfortably without further injuring himself he can show up and play guitar so it's entirely possible he's not going to be on the shelf that long um the match itself even despite the getting cut short for the injury i thought was great you know the usos are always fantastic nakamura is very capable and boogs was great when we had him so you know, great jobs by everybody, all things considered. Yeah, I agree. They were on their way to a really fun opener um, before the injury happened. And then once the injury happened, like you, you saw like the the veteran nature of the Usos and Shinsuke because mm-hmm. it, it almost felt like it was a rush finish, but it felt like they really didn't skip a beat in it. They just immediately like, okay, we know what to do. Yeah, Go once this, this, this. once it became then... more clear what Boogs was actually dealing with and what kind of injury he had and like that he was clearly down and being tended to by, you know, trainers and stuff on the outside, the severity of it became clear. But in the moment, I wasn't even sure if it was planned or not. Um, Yeah. It just, you know, he just kind of crumpled and it was entirely possible. He was just selling the fact that it's really hard to get two men up at the same time. Um, And then they kind of just rolled through to the finish. And so, you know, shows the skill of the Usos and Nakamura to kind of make things feel somewhat seamless even in a rushed sequence like that yeah yeah it was a it was a fun one it was a fun one um hopefully uh boogs get well soon it's probably gonna be out for for a while like you said like if it's if it's like depending on how torn the quad is he could be out for a whole year at this point yeah. so yeah but we'll see we'll see uh usos retain moving on to the second matchup a match that surprised me with how much i enjoyed it because I mean, this was this was a really good um, SmackDown mid card match. It was really fantastic. <laughs> like it's like a SmackDown mid card banger. Where like four years later, you're like, you got to go see that one. It's just not bad. Exactly. It's only eight minutes, but it's great. Yeah, it's a good eight minutes. Happy Corbin, Drew McIntyre with uh, Madcap Moss yeah. on the outside. The Andrew the Giant Battle Royal winner. Yes. Uh, Madcap Moss. <laughs> Um, yeah, Madcap plays his role well. Um, everyone in this match did their jobs. It was a great contest. Um, I'm extremely sad that the end of days gets kicked out of in a throwaway, everyone's going to forget this match in four days, like WrestleMania mid-card cool-down match. Um, it felt like a waste. The end of days has been, no one's kicked out of end of days in like eight years since NXT. Yeah. Um, and so it really felt like a waste to do that in a moment that wasn't something massive. And it's not like Drew needed it. Drew's still Drew. He still hit the claymore. He still looks like Drew. No one cares that he kicked out of end of days. So like, that's, 
that was really my biggest disappointment with the match is that they took something that could have meant more later and kind of threw it in there. But that said, it's still a fun match. Yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, I, you know, I've gone on record multiple times saying that like Corbin over the years has been varying levels of like uninteresting to me in, in the, in the ring for the most part um, and character wise, but I feel like since starting this happy Corbin thing, like, yes, he's still somewhat grating uh, at times, but it's been better. Um, the thing with Corbin and uh, is Corbin always does what he's told mm-hmm. and he does the best he can with it. And sometimes it really works. And sometimes he was given something that was so bad, even he can't save it. Um, he's been uniquely gifted with terrible booking and kind of the thing it reminds me of um, is Lex Luger. Mm. Someone who is surprisingly good, always you know, knew how to work on TV, knew how to play his role exactly like he should when he needed to. But unfortunately, was given bad booking and bad decisions and put in bad situations and was not in WWE's favor, which meant that they turned him into a joke as soon as he left. You know, it's what they do. If you're not one of their favorites at the moment, then you don't mean anything to their history and they start to erase you. Um, But I mean, you know, similar situations that both guys who are very good, who's just had a lot of bad booking handed their way. Yeah. And like I'm just glad that Corbin got a moment to actually like show what what he can do, especially yeah. Because in considering that this feud has gone on for so long and has yeah, been what, one that what since like 2019 like, is what it feels like. I mean, honestly, if you had told me like that was actually the exact length, like I would have believed you. It feels like it's that. I mean, long. if if you want to try and long term booking logic your way into WWE, I think you could argue it because I believe. Corbin and Drew were a team on Raw in 2019. Yes, they they did actually. <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> this is that really terrible Raw period. We all try to forget, you know, one of the several. <laughs> oh Lord, no! But I mean, like it was it was good to finally put to put a cap on this thing in a way yeah. that supersedes everything else that we've seen in this. Honestly, yes. Like yeah, if you're, it, it was if, a good, it was a good final chapter for them, and hopefully, it is a true final chapter for them. Yes, I, I am sincerely hoping that that true, they give some Drew a, something new, something bigger coming something, out of this. Anything else? Yes, yes. And, and that's not a knock against Corbin. That's just it's stale. Yeah, exactly. It's time to write another story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to ask you, what did you think of the sword spot? Um, the I thought it was hilarious. It was- um, I. <laughs> I, I genuinely stared at it like, so when did they gimmick the ropes? So me, did, I was thinking so, the same thing. So did they like? It, did it? Did the match end and someone swooped in and flipped a switch? Like, did how did they do that? Because the ropes were fine all match. Yeah, like it is. Because it, and that's the other thing is um, now I don't know for sure. Uh, I've heard different reports over the years, but obviously some ropes are ropes ropes and some ropes are closer to steel cable um with rope around them and so i don't know what their normal rope composition is versus what they decided to use for this one um but i mean the spot itself was fun i I have no problem with it i saw some jokes about the way the sword bent um i'm not an (laughs) expert but i've watched 
too many episodes of Forged and Fire, swords bend. If they're big, it's really not that uncommon. Um, so I really had no problem with the way it went down. I mean, yes, it's a silly moment, but it's WrestleMania. You get silly shit sometimes. Exactly. Honestly, that wasn't even really the silliest part of the moment for me. The silliest part of the moment for me was the explosion sound effect that played over the PA whenever yeah. the ropes broke. <laughs> So the sound of them blowing up the firecracker that was holding the ropes together. <laughs> the little black cat nestled deep inside the twine. <laughs> yeah, no. It was, it was fun. It was fun. That That's all yeah. that matters at the end of the day. Is yeah, it, is it was it, fine. Yeah, it was good. Um, and that's going to bring us to the tag team match that... Okay. The tag Logan team... Paul. Oh, my homies hate Logan Paul. <laughs> oh logan paul and the miz look i i look obviously i don't like logan paul um i'm more upset with the fact that he was modeling such fantastic ring gear while being such a trash human um yeah look i i don't like him but is this is a diamond pokemon necklace with pokemon card framed it's it's so insane and millennial stupid and like it's I, I re- it resonates with me in a dumb way. <laughs> <laughs> I I get it. It's a begrudging uh, like uh, and, and like surprising like not surprising. Everyone goes hard for WrestleMania gear, but like great matching tag gear for the two of them. Despite yes. everything, yes, that was nice to see. But speaking of matching tag gear, though, let's talk about Dom and Ray. Oh yeah, it's fantastic stuff. The Gringos Locos tribute. Yeah, uh, I oh. believe someone tweeted uh, Dom playing tribute to his true poppy. <laughs> it's too good. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> saw many, many jokes about, you imagine what Ray is thinking watching uh, his son do those moves and fucking Logan Paul is basing for him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I... And Logan he did Paul, fine. Logan did Paul's fine. a piece of shit. He did yeah. fine. <laughs> Like he did fine. Um, I don't remember. I saw somewhere. Uh, I think it was Hurricane was one of the people involved in getting him ready. Um, you know, he he did everything he needed to do. Um, he worked his heel persona for it. Um, I really don't like. Look, I don't like Logan Paul, so I'm not sad that he got a skull crushing finale at the end. I don't know what purpose that serves for storytelling. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with Miz that that was necessary, but sure, I don't like him, so why not? Yeah, just do it. Hopefully there's no payoff. Yeah, ideally that's the end of Logan Paul in WWE, he says begrudgingly and hopefully. Yes. <laughs> no. But, like, the match itself was was really good. Um, yeah. I, like, Ray and, and Dominic really impressed. The Miz... Is is money? The Miz is money. Yeah, but the Miz is is the most consistent man in WWE in an absurd way. Um, and you know, not every show is five stars. Not every match is five stars. But Miz is you know another one of those guys who does his job and knocks it out of the park whenever he possibly can. Um, and he did. He did. He did great in his role here. No, he definitely did. Um, and I, I just just for the, I just want to say for the record one more time, Logan Paul is a piece of shit. um (laughs) so we'll just leave it there because i think like the match was good miz was great i don't understand like why if they're trying to to, like babyface logan paul if that's the idea i 
who knows either way i mean the worst case scenario is that they're setting up miz versus logan paul at SummerSlam, oh, um which is an unfortunate reality but like ideally like i don't know some like ben shapiro gives logan paul six hundred dollars to do a, a podcast with gina carano or something and he just goes the fuck away forever <laughs> I'm, you know what? If that, if, if we can just send him to that recess of the internet where I don't have to ideally do him anymore, I'm exactly. I'm <laughs> go, cool with it. Go, go make your stupid money. Um, as long as it's coming from far right dark matter donors, then at least they're not sending it to someone who can actually do anything. Well, uh, let's move on to a, a, a palate cleanser. A, a good match. Yes, a truly <laughs> good match. Yeah, possibly the. I'm honestly. It might be the match of the weekend to, to this my, point. It's my match of the night. Yeah. Um, and, and very, very easily could end up being the match of the weekend. Yes. Uh, it was so going into the show, obviously I mentioned, I watched the kickoff show. That was rough. Um, about 30 minutes into the show, I was struggling. It's like, this is bad. The pacing's bad. Like we said, there's so many video packages. I think some of that was down to, uh, the Usos and Nakamura and Boogs probably getting some time cut, but even then everything was overloaded because they still didn't even have time to put the New Day match on, which they've moved to tonight, thankfully. Um, so, you know, all of that going on. And as soon as the video package started for Bianca and Becky, I was like, oh, thank God. A match I <laughs> give a shit about. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go. Real stuff. Yes. Yes. Bianca Belair challenging Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. And, um and shout out the ocean of soul hell yes from texas southern university oh my Just god absolutely killed it look i i was tenor saxophone and marching band in high school i played alto saxophone and marching band at university of houston at the spirit of houston marching band for one year i i am the biggest mark for a marching band and they absolutely delivered as what a wrestlemania entrance is supposed to be exactly no like i i so this is two years in a row that bianca belair's matches have made me tear up obviously last year there was yeah. a ton of significance to that match both, uh, both times i was crying before the match started exactly like as soon <laughs> as soon as the band started playing yeah like i'm just like and, oh fuck <laughs> and 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 we'll back up for a second because chronologically becky had already come out and this fantastic amazing entrance for becky a simple, like big time, I think I'm better than everyone entrance. Just the, uh, I think an escalator, something driving her in the little video package before. Um, but really like her hair looked great. But for me, the thing that really killed in, in the best way in Becky's entrance was the makeup reveal. Oh yes. When she took off the sunglasses, it was like, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it was very like, Haley Williams from Paramore mixed with Maleficent. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit of that going on. It, it just, it worked. It yeah. was, it was just right and perfectly done so that it was completely hidden by the glasses. So you couldn't see it at all moving into the moment. So you're, you're not really expecting it is great. Um, and you know, if the champs coming out first, you have to have a better entrance and boy did Bianca. Uh, oh know, yeah. Nothing, nothing against Becky's, but that was Bianca had something special. Yeah. And that's, that's um, the point. <laughs> and so 
I shared a clip of it. I, I made a clip of the entrance because as soon as I saw a marching band coming out, I knew I needed to because I love a marching band entrance. And uh, it gained significant traction while I quote tweeted it. It went absolutely wild. Um, I had to mute it because or else my phone would have just exploded. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens. Um, but it was one of those things that I was so happy to see it gain traction because that's how much of a star she is that like I, I shared a couple from the show and we'll get to some of the other ones I shared a big one being Cody's entrance Bianca's gained significantly more traction it, it's still sitting in my bookmarks with 50,000 more views than Cody's um, and that's nothing against Cody that's just that's how big a star Bianca is and that's how she connects with people who aren't even necessarily wrestling fans at the time um, and what that entrance really kind of shined also the fact that it's continue to gain traction. I've rewatched that entrance a handful of times. And it wasn't until rewatch that I would then die laughing every time it started because about four or five seconds into the band walking out, Corey Graves just goes, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and so a handful of people on Twitter, it's this white man, what the hell is this? <laughs> he was shook. <laughs> <laughs> God, it was so... I. Also, like, good touch bringing out an uh, HBCU school oh, yeah. for that as yeah, well. Absolutely. Like, that's the, the only way you do that. Exactly. Is by getting yeah. an and, HBCU school. you know, once again, a, a moment of Bianca bringing Black culture in and showing respect to Black culture and elevating Black culture in that moment, you know, that she's done with her Black History Month gear and so many other things that she's done, um, you know, none of it is anything that we do not expect from Bianca at this point. It was just more amazing stuff. Exactly. And, and that bled into the match, honestly, oh, yeah. as well. Like the match itself, like Bianca Belair is two for two on, on bangers mm -hmm. at WrestleMania. Um, and, and I hope that streak just keeps on growing. Likewise. Likewise. I mean, her and Becky worked so well together. The teases yes. to the SummerSlam moment at the beginning of the match, yeah. the reversals, the chemistry was was absolutely on fire the whole time. Um, massive shout out to TJ Wilson and Molly Holly. Yes. The reported producers of that match. Um, I uh, I think it was Ashley Leckwald who shared it, of saying that the TJ Wilson and Molly Holly making matches bangers only. That's that they don't miss. No, they do not. They do not at all. It's and you know that's really where TJ is shine. And I'm glad yes. to see that he's back in that role now and, and, yeah. and working on in these sort of things because I, there was definitely some struggle in his absence. Um, everyone stepped up and I, you know, nothing against the other producers. They all did the best they could with the situations they had. But TJ has something special in producing the women's division that uh, it's good to have that X factor back, especially on a show like this. Exactly. Um, the finish of the match, obviously we saw uh, Bianca, uh, flip out of the manhandle slam hit the kod win the raw women's championship for the second year in a row at wrestlemania that that whole like finishing sequence was was so good so smooth and yeah and so just powerful to me yeah it's just great stuff it's great stuff yeah um and and yeah for as far as wrestlemania goes you know um no shade against some of the others we're about to talk about and no shade against anything that kills it tonight, you know, on night two when we watch it based on when we're recording, but that's probably going to be my match of the weekend for WrestleMania. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to top. I mean, obviously with so many matches happening this week, mm-hmm. like there's a lot and, and several really shining in their own ways, but yeah, you know, as far as it, it had everything, it had everything I want from a WrestleMania match. It had the spectacle. It went long. It didn't go too long. They all had amazing moments. It had the chemistry. It, it was all there. Yeah. It had the entrances. It had the finish. It had the new champion. It's, it didn't miss anywhere. No. It was, I mean, it was so good. I don't know. How, how many more times can we find new ways to say this match was so good? <laughs> uh, it was It was the EST of WrestleMania. That's what that match there was. There we go. That's the end. Okay, that, you can't say There, there we go. That's, that's, the, that's the, 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 God, that's I'm, I'm bad with words today. I apologize. <laughs> it's been a long week, y'all. Yeah, um, yeah I know the feeling. <laughs> All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboyotm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Well, from perhaps the match of the weekend to another match of, of the night, contender maybe the moment of the weekend definitely i you know what i could i could see an argument for this being the moment of the weekend just based off of the the like significance of the importance there's so many factors that go into it so obviously going in um it was you know much like the cm punk situation much like you know other things in the past this was you know not a well-kept secret in wrestling everyone expected this um there was still chaos in me and others that kind of wanted it to not be Cody just to watch the world burn, uh, just to watch Twitter explode. <laughs> you, were you but, one of those that wanted it to be Shane? No, I didn't want it to be Shane. I don't want okay. Shane. I wanted it to be something like really, really stupid, like Vince or Gilberg. <laughs> it's just, if we're not doing Cody, let's just go as far off the rails as possible. Um, but yeah, it, you know, starting off, we had Seth coming out 
and just fantastic look. Seth, I don't know who's styling him, but give them a raise because because <laughs> it makes no fucking sense and it looks so fucking good <laughs> every time. <laughs> no, I I will agree with you. The look was 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 really really good. Um, and, and the choir, shout out the choir. They yes. really gave that little spectacle to the beginning of the entrance that he leaned into. It was great. Yes, I will. I will. I will join you in shouting out the choir. It's hard to, it's hard to do have that spot after what we saw in Bianca's entrance. It is. It, but, it's it's hard to follow that in many ways. Um, but yeah. you know, individually it was all great. Um, exactly. And then, you know, they let the tease simmer just long enough, let the crowd kind of start to bubble. Um, and then we got it. We got every single bit of it. We got wrestling has more than one royal family. We got the fucking Cody's <laughs> Cody's tattoo came to life. It was in 3D. It got banners. It it turned into the American flag as the song said adrenaline. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's adrenaline in my soul. <laughs> Cody's tattoo is out of control. <laughs> It's just oh. it, it's so surreal for so many reasons. I mean, it's just that that insane American nightmare font. He's got the exact Homelander red, white, and blue and gold gear. It, it's all there. It's Cody. That's straight up Cody Rhodes. Yep. Everything that we saw in AEW from Cody Rhodes is now yeah. in WWE. Yeah. Um, which honestly is the that's the only way that they can do this. It's the only right way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to have to, you know, I'm sure the uh, the writing will struggle to keep up with the quality that they delivered on night one for him. Um, I hope it's good. Um, that's the other thing. You know, I have a lot of stuff about the show that I had issues with and a lot of stuff about WWE that I have issues with. I want it to be good. I would like it to be good. It's, you know, I love wrestling. I love when wrestling is good. And if the biggest company in the world is making good things, that's good for wrestling. So I would like it to go well, but I've got my reservations about how long they're able to sustain this. But in this moment, it really delivered. And they just straight up let them wrestle a, you know, 2014 ROH match. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Especially they let Cody keep all of his moveset that he's developed in AEW as well. Yeah, he got the Cody cutter. He had the you know, the spots to the outside. He had all of it. Um, he hit the reckoning for the win. It's great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Shout out Damien Priest. <laughs> Shout out Damien Priest. Lord. No, like, it, it was it was a surreal moment. And I think that, obviously, like, for, for us that, that watched it, yes. And it, it was surreal just to see it happen, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of got a heightened sense of that uh, surreality or surrealness. That's the word from um, seeing people that are younger than me experience this moment. And for the first time ask, like, is this what it was like during the Monday night wars? Mm-hmm. It, like, it, did, is this moment Cody, the lights going out, getting the entire stadium's worth of pyro yeah. for his entrance 
before he even like before we even hear wrestling has more than one mm-hmm. royal family. Like, was this kind of moment what the Monday Night War was like? And I don't know why, but you know, I just turned thirty six. I remember those days very very well, mm-hmm. and there's just something special about seeing younger wrestlers, younger wrestling fans who were not around to experience that era of the business were as much a criticism as that era deserves, because there's a lot right. about the attitude. There's era. a lot of, there's a lot of flaws in that era, but yeah. there's also a palpable level of excitement yes. that came along with it. And we're seeing more of that start to pop up and that's always a good thing. Um, you know, some of the ways they do it may not always be good things. Um, but, you know, in this moment, they made it stand out. You know, that's, I think I mentioned earlier, sometimes WWE doesn't know how to get out of their own way and just let something be what it needs to be. They got completely out of the way here. They went, Cody's, it's not broke. We're buying this. This is what we wanted. Just do it. And he did. Yeah. I mean, night one back in the company and putting on an outstanding matchup with Seth. Um, um, and, and I have to give the nod to Cody for uh, feigning an, a rib injury <laughs> during the match that I bought for a moment. Yes. I was, I, was, I was like, oh, that would be very Cody to get in the match and four minutes in, break a rib. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would, he's just screaming, oh, of course. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, oh, of course. And then they started working and it was like, okay, so you know what you're doing, but still good job guys. Exactly. Exactly. Um, also an outstanding moment, you know, the, to see the finish where he uh, you know, hits two crossroads. And then before hitting the third and final, we got, you have, he has He's, to shout out his father. Yeah. Um, you have that also. Uh, it's uh, he's. So Okada has wrist control. Cody mm-hmm. has neck control. He's, <laughs> he maintained neck control. He's going for it again. <laughs> oh, Lord. Like that, just to see the emotion in Cody's face hitting that, that bionic elbow. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. Um, yeah. I, I've read clips and bits and pieces of uh, the interview he did with Variety uh, about coming in and everything. And something that I think, you know, in this moment, everything is, you know, how much of it is real, how much of it is the plan that he's trying to portray. You can always argue that with wrestlers in interviews like this and times like this, but the definitely the, the message he wanted to communicate without actually being willing to say it is that this is about Dusty never winning the title. Yeah. And, and he, he explicitly said, I'm not going to say it out loud. In, in one of the interviews that one of the quotes that I saw that he would not actually say what it is, but he kind of talked about, you know, there's something that my, my father was there and it never quite happened. And I need to make this right for my family. And, you know, whether that's the story he's building, I absolutely believe that there's a part of him inside that he's just obsessed with that one accolade, that that's the thing that he feels like they're missing. And, he has the opportunity to make it right in his mind. Go for it, man. More power I to mean, you. I mean, let's be real. Like that's really the only title in the, the grand history of pro wrestling, AEW put aside, that mm-hmm. 
doesn't have the road's name on it. Well, and the other thing is, let's not pretend that there's not a very, very real world possibility that Cody does two year, two or three years in WWE, becomes a WWE champion, and goes back to AEW. Yep. And, you know, even from a WWE perspective, that's a win. That's still, you know, they, they're still going to get a lot out of him while he's there if they do things right. We'll see. But, you know, it's entirely possible that he could then go back to where he was, that this is just a detour for him. Um, but an important one, clearly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the messaging in the interviews that Cody has done um, that, that were released last night and over the last, like, 12 to 14 hours really point to this this mindset that we've kind of, like, gotten from Cody at times that, like, you know, him leaving AEW really felt to him like, you know, I've done everything in the territory. Mm-hmm. Time to go to a new territory. And, oh, and um, you know, there's plenty of jokes about how Cody accidentally booked himself as a mid-carder and made it so he couldn't win the title and did all these things to himself. And some of that's got an element of truth to it. But at the same time, I think it's, you know, it's much more complicated than that. Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that decision for him. And, you know, if, if Vince is backing up the Brinks truck, so you can debut in, you know, the third to the top match from WrestleMania, the match that gets the most time on the entire card, man why not yeah i don't i i I look at the images today like going through twitter this Mm -hmm. morning and seeing like people burning their like american nightmare shirts stuff like that and it's just so goofy wrestling fans like look weirdos weirdos are gonna do what they do oh i know it's it's the same shit as when uh colin kaepernick um the the like when people tried to boycott colin kaepernick and like burn nike merchandise so it's they're, you're burning the shirt. He already got your money. What do you think that does? Exactly. This he sends no care. message except that you are a dope. Like, <laughs> that's you've, literally you've, all it does. You've been swindled. Well done. Yeah, you're just burning your own wardrobe. Yeah. Cool. All you did was make a mess. Yeah. God. Yeah, but, I mean... Yeah, people are going to do that. Um, exactly. And that's... Much of that is rooted in just... There are always going to be people who are going to have reactions like that. It's also rooted in the unfortunate tribalism that kind of infects the uh, the discourse around AEW versus WWE and all of that. Some of that's going to happen, but it is what it is. Exactly. It doesn't take anything away from Cody making the right no. decision for himself. And honestly, I want to see him thrive. I have yeah. many criticisms about Cody Rhodes, but yes. I still yes. want uh, to see him thrive. Co- Martin Luther Cody has his issues. Ooh. Uh, Cody. Uh, how, did, <laughs> how did how did Faye Jackson, Queen Faye Jackson, put it? Uh, Cody Luther King. <laughs> oh, love you, Faye. <laughs> yeah, face face great. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, with all its issues and all its caveats, it's still a great match. Yes, um, for great sure. match and a great moment for both of them. Yes, and and before we move off of this match, because we're we're about to go into a match that. Oh, I don't. Okay, you know what's what. Well, you know what's next. But before yeah, we get there, yeah. real quick, we talked a lot about Cody. Shout out to Seth Rollins. Oh yeah, Seth Rollins knew the assignment and exactly liver. He he knew it's it, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew exactly the match they needed to have, and they they laid it all out there. 
Yeah. I gave it everything it needed to get. Perfect welcome home moment uh, yeah. for Cody in that way. Um, let's, let's just jump into it. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Women's Championship. Obviously on this show, whenever we have problematic people that we talk about, we preface that uh, and put context on things. So obviously Ronda Rousey noted transpo as well as a uh, Sandy Hook truther. Fun. Yeah, you know, fuck Ronda Rousey. All my homies hate Ronda Rousey. Um, I didn't care about this match. Yeah. I didn't care about this match going in. I didn't care about this match when it started. Um, I Charlotte gets a lot of shit. Um, some of it is deserved. The vast majority of it is not. Because um, unfortunately, she's just in a position where she's going to catch flack and sometimes she opens herself up for it, but none of any of this was her fault. Um, Rhonda's on top of being a transphobe and a shitty person, really not good at uh, most things. I mean, she's capable in the ring when she needs to be, but it is very obvious that Rhonda thinks she's already like the best ever and thinks that there's like, she thinks she's there what she what should she try to be better at it's all there um and it you can feel it um yeah i was glad when this match ended yeah like this match outside of whenever they were like on the ground like a lot of the a lot of the submission reversals were 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 interesting to watch a lot of like the ground Mm -hmm. grappling stuff was interesting to watch outside of that though this match was just it it felt like Rhonda and Charlotte were on two completely different wavelengths for the majority of it. Um, and, and it also came in as, you know, on a card that has Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin, this was somehow the coldest match on the card. Yeah. It's, it really it really felt like a lot of that, a lot of the, the hype around it had died down over the past. Yeah. Um, there, there was just no momentum, no excitement going into it. Um, and you kind of feel it. This was, oh, I don't even like saying it like this because it used to be a joke about how the women's matches aren't important, but this was the piss break match. Um, I mean, not because it was women's match. It was because it was a terrible match. Yeah. And, and like, that's not entirely an execution thing. It's not like they botched four or five things and they don't know their jobs. It's just, it was, it was not fun. A lot of this card was fun. This was not one of them. No, I mean, really, the most fun moment of the match was the finish, really, because, yeah. you know, I, I obviously have seen many, many people online joking about Charlotte's boots as trans rights. Um, and I, that's the way that I'm going to define that in my brain. Uh, Why not? You know, defeating Ronda Rousey with a boot after uh, <laughs> Charles Robinson getting knocked down like he does in any match with a player in it. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, like, the finish was, was fine. I don't know where this goes per se i mean obviously things aren't done with charlotte and ronda i mean obviously i would like it to go where ronda says that she has other better things to do and she leaves um but rarely do i get what i want in wwe uh it's it's entirely likely they're going to keep rolling this storyline after um but at the same time it would probably be a smarter call to recognize how cold it feels and give them something else to work with um, maybe give Rhonda some promo classes. Mm-hmm. I could, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, either way, like, I mean, Rhonda's there for at least the year. Um, yeah. 
and like so it. that that's just kind of what we're gonna be stuck with if we engage if you engage with wwe at, at least um that portion of it so yeah it sucks in that way because just the the personal ideals that a lot of us hold <laughs> but yeah um at least um, for one night we got to see charlotte stomp on it yeah we'll take it take the yeah. little win exactly um i I don't know. Like, I don't know what else I can really say about this one. It's just, I, the list, the less I talk about Ronda Rousey, the better. Yeah. Um, personally. It, it was, it was match. It went 1830. Charlotte won and the transfer lost. What's next? Uh, I think, you know, what's next. Oh, I, I do know what's next. <laughs> um, going into this show, I was not like bouncing off the walls excited. And the reason I was not bouncing off the walls excited is I didn't trust WWE to deliver. Because and it's why would you? Um, it's but their track record's not great. Um, and so going in, I was completely prepared for this to be a KO show segment that felt like every Austin 25th anniversary special raw appearance that we've seen since he retired at WrestleMania 19. I expected some words, a few punches, a stunner, a beer bash. And that was, you know, going in. I was like, okay, that's what we're going to get. And KO came out. KO is fantastic. Good stuff. KO being KO. He's great at what he does. And the music hit, obviously. Glass shatter. Huge pop. Oh, shit, he's got braces on. <laughs> oh, shit, he's braced up. And that was that was the switch for me. That was, as soon as I saw knee braces, I was like, oh, we're really doing this, aren't we? We're really doing this. God. It was it was really a moment. Yeah, it really was. Um, just his entrance, going back, bringing out the ATV. I kind of wanted him to do a second glass shatter when he walked out, <laughs> <laughs> just because. But but it was still fantastic. Just set up, give him give him the WrestleMania 13 paint of glass to drive. Through. Yeah, he's like someone just walk it in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what are they doing? Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> No, like I, I'm with you. Like I, I didn't know exactly what to expect, obviously, because there, mm-hmm. it's just been bantied about so much ever yeah. since this Kevin Owens started talking and, about Texas. And it's heavy, you know, heavy speculation of what it's going to be. Is Austin ready? You know, rumors about him having rings and having been prepared and trained. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. It was just too much. You didn't really know going in. And then once it got rolling, it was like, okay, we're really doing this. Yeah. Like it, um, it, it, it's it's the beginning of that the the moment when like Kevin challenges him to the match and then like that moment before it finally gets accepted and gets going like it felt like the world slowed down almost yeah because you know if he says it they're not gonna not do it like <laughs> it, it's they're bad they're not that bad <laughs> and that's the other thing is. It, it, it became a balancing act, I think, as far as expectations go. It becomes a balancing act between not expecting WWE to deliver and knowing Austin will. Because, you know, before it all happens, you don't know if he's, you know, if he just comes out in jeans, I'm expecting a segment. I'm not expecting anything special. I'm expecting the same thing we've seen on Raw, you know, 
a half dozen, couple dozen times since he retired, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just nothing special. But you see him in the braces. You feel the challenge go down. Like you can feel it. You can sense it all coming. Yeah. Like it's it it just that waiting for that, that, that anticipation of that moment and then finally having it click and having a bell ring and seeing how excited the referee the, was to ring that the, bell. The ref pop, the, but like, I, I don't know. Is there any match that, that got that much of a pop for the bell sound aside from like maybe a, a money in the bank cash in? I can't think of one right now. Because I mean, at, at the, the roof went off the building when they rang the bell because they understood it was really happening. Yeah. Because everything leading up to that moment, you can feel the anticipation, you can feel it coming, but they could swerve, something could go wrong. Who knows? You don't really know until it sounds and it's like, oh, it's it's real. We're here. Yeah. No, it's just it talk um, about like the, the moment with Cody being surreal. Like mm-hmm. it, it it just hits you in, in, in a completely larger way to, to have that bell ring and start to see Austin work a match against yeah. Kevin Owens. Take and a suplex on the really, concrete. Really work. Like taking suplexes on concrete, taking suplexes on the stage, doing oh. table table spots. Like is just insane. Um and and but you know before we get into kind of all of the craziness that happened in the it it is such an absurd premise that uh you know it, hey don't mess with texas because you're talking shit stone cold steve austin might unretire after 19 years whoop your ass in the main event of wrestlemania you never know <laughs> Let, yes let's talk about the build of this real quick i wanted i wanted to bring this up because really an opportune time to talk about how great texas is right now <sighs> okay so yeah let's talk about it um yeah. fuck greg abbott Agreed. uh fuck greg abbott um, fuck Dan Patrick. Fuck everyone involved in our stupid ass state government. Kim Paxton. Um, get the fuck out. Yeah, all all of the above. Um, fuck Ted Cruz. Fuck John Cornyn. I don't have a list here. Those are just the ones I remember. Um, unfortunately, very much against my will. Uh, it, look, they there are so many things, and the timing is its own issue. But Texas does not belong to them. Texas belongs to queers. <laughs> this is our Texas. Stone Cold Steve Austin is our pot smoking dude. Stone Cold Steve Austin is not a Ken Paxson and not a Ted Cruz. So yeah, it, it's it's weird. And I get why it's weird from an outsider perspective because Texas pride is this weird little thing that gets drilled into our heads growing up. Look, I mean, I grew up in, uh, outside of Houston in Baytown, went to school for 18 years in Baytown, unfortunately, at Robert E. Lee High School, um, Hooray! where we continued to play a remix of Dixie as a school fight song into the early 2000s. That was terrible. Um, so, like, look, <laughs> there are issues. But also, growing up in, you know, Texas schools, um, people outside of Texas may not know this. We don't just say the United States pledge in school in mornings. We say the Texas Pledge as well, the Pledge of Allegiance to the Texas flag for years, every morning, all through grade school. Like I, high school is the only part that I'm less sure of, maybe junior high, but I mean, definitely for several years, I knew the Texas Pledge and I knew the U.S. Pledge. 
because that's just the way they did things. Um, and I think some of the pride that comes from that is just from that and kind of the culture of it here. Um, but as I've gotten older, kind of the pride I take in Texas is its diversity. You know, growing up around Houston, Houston has its issues, but Houston is also an incredibly diverse place, an incredibly diverse, um, you know, both in its people and in its food and in its entertainment and in so many different things. And Texas is massive. Like, it's not just a joke. You can drive nine hours and not get out of this stupid ass state. Um, like, I hate it, but I love it. It's just, it is what it is. Um, and so, yeah, I get why it's weird to people going in, but also that's easy money in Texas. I get why they did it. <laughs> no, I totally understand. And I, honestly, like to an extent, like the, the sense of like taking pride in, in the state itself, like I, I understand that. I, I grew up in the South. I get it. We did mm -hmm. like in elementary school, we did the, the pledge to the Georgia flag when it still had the fucking stars and bars on it. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, like I get that. And I understand the, taking pride in that sort of thing. Um, not not in the flag that I just mentioned, but like in terms of like where you come from and that sort of yeah. stuff. The kind of the rooted, the deeper feeling. Exactly. The sense of home and the sense of belonging. But at the same time, like you have this whole thing built up um, around like Texas pride as like you have the attacks that we've seen on, you know, trans youth, parents of trans youth, medical yeah. uh, professionals who are trying to provide gender affirming care to trans youth in Texas. And it puts a completely different context on that sort of thing. And by no means by by bringing that up or criticizing what what the bill to this to this match was by the by saying these things i'm not saying that like the greater people of texas shouldn't take pride in in their identity as a texan mm -hmm. it's more so just looking at what we see in current events and what looking at what the texas government is empowering bigots to do in that in that state you know effie put it i when i spoke to effie last week um ahead of the this weekend um he put it he put it pretty succinctly is like they're empowering bigots and we have to fight yeah. we have to continue to fight back against that and i know yeah, that no. there are a number of people in texas who are willing to do that to have that fight yeah um and that's a fight that you know has been going on and has obviously picked up because of some of the actions in recent months um and a fight that will continue to go on yes. um yeah, all, the, all that, all that to say. I'm oh, sorry. Go, as, ahead, go ahead. Trying to think of how to phrase it. Uh, really, it's just as a non-binary person who lives in Texas, it's exhausting. Um, just to call it what it is. Um, and it's you know that fight will continue to go on, but it was definitely refreshing to get some fun Texas, you know even if it's Austin stuff and Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, which, uh, yeah, I get people are going to make jokes about the cheerleaders. They ate that routine. Um, and that's, that's all they need, but there's, it's, it's flaws, but you know, this was, this was Austin and Austin's somebody who I, I missed some of the Monday night wars as far as like watching live. And as everything happened, um, I caught, kind of the tail end I really didn't start really watching until about 2000 2001 mm -hmm. um and but I have I have a very distinct memory of one of the first things and kind of as I was really 
getting exposed to and liking wrestling um, was Austin. Uh, the first two things I did, there was, I think it was in fourth grade. I had one of the many Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts. I couldn't tell you which one. Um, and it's so hard to look for classic ones at this point that I've tried and I can't say for sure which one it was, but it was one of the many that had lots of skulls on it. And I wore it to school in fourth grade and uh, the teachers were like scared of it. Like they asked me to go to the, to the office and turn it inside out. They were like, we feel like this is gonna scare children. There's just some really just just very bad images on this and, and you're not in trouble, but we just we just think it's best to do that and please don't wear it again. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of my first thing. And then past that, I remember at the Scholastic Book Fair in junior high getting a uh, little book. Um, I can't remember the author at this point, but it was the unauthorized uh, biography of Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is just a little scholastic book fair, thin offering, kind of giving general info about his early career and going into his WWF run. And that was kind of my first exposure to, oh, there's other things. And, oh, did you know his name is Steve Williams? And, oh, this, and, <laughs> and all these little intricacies that I was just kind of first starting to see, you know, the way the pie is made. Um, and so even as someone who, because I missed a little of his height, um, Austin didn't, he was not my absolute favorite in the way he means to some others, but he absolutely activates like a very early part of my wrestling fandom. Yeah, I mean, I think that he does that for, for a lot of people in, in that way. I think that's why he resonates so much and why that this moment was so massive. Uh, for for him and to to get the pop that he did and to be able to like channel all of that 19 years of being out of the ring into one yeah. final moment in Dallas where his career started. Yeah, um, he was... gets to have it, you know, he gets to truly go out on his terms. Exactly. He gets to have it where he wants, you know, obviously he's been thinking about this for a long time and Owens is the guy who he finally went, that's it, that's the one. It's the right person. It's the right time. It's the right place. Everything was there. Um, he got to have that fantastic moment in the beer bash afterwards where his brother came up um, and they got to have that moment, you know, as family. It was just great stuff. Yeah. And we got one more stunner with Byron Saxton. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's, he's, I, the only thing I more I wanted out of that moment was I wanted him to just start like screaming, oh, hell yeah like he did at the pandemic show. <laughs> yes. Just, just the camera cut to him and everyone's stunned. Like, dude, why? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, obviously for all the Austin talk and being the focus of this, of, of the closing of the show, we have to, again, like Kevin Owens. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like killed it in the spot. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, very much hopeful that there's a, WWE 24 or some analog that was being filmed around all of this so we can see even more of kind of what's Kevin Owens going through and, and thinking and feeling as they're like hey so yeah you, you're gonna go 14 in a no holds barred match in the main event of Wrestlemania with Stone Cold I'm, I'm gonna what <laughs> in Dallas <laughs> I I can't even imagine the kind of like 
impact that has yeah to, on you to hear he he shared uh kevin owen shared a video um the night before late late uh that looked like he was in a practice ring um and was probably kind of thinking about everything and thinking about the next night and just talking about how much that meant to him as you know the kevin owens show obviously he couldn't talk about the fact that they were having the match but it was absolutely weighing on him i'm sure um but you know also talking about the framing being the kevin owens show something that was his creation something that he came up with that was rooted in the kevin steen show um you know this this shitty little high spots talk show it's the main event of wrestlemania with the return of stone cold steve austin <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of that, um, I don't know where the easiest way to find it is, but it shouldn't be too hard to find. There's a fantastic Kevin Steen show clip where he's talking about uh, playing with his action figures as a kid and like how he would set stuff up and how he was doing something with his figures and he wanted to make the glass break noise. And so he had to get a cup, like a ceramic mug. And he was like, oh, I need to make the glass break noise so that this feels right. So he threw it at a wall. And it's just, and it just, just will pop and stuck in the wall. <laughs> and, and, and everyone, it's, I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's just, they're, they're laughing and it's like, oh, this is so crazy. And he goes, I was 17 years old. <laughs> I've seen that clip making the rounds. Uh, I'm so glad every today. time it pops back up because it's just perfect. Him, like, Jimmy Jacobs's reaction. Yeah, thank that. you. That's who it yeah. was. Yeah, like the reaction to, to that. <laughs> it's he takes a sip at the perfect time. <laughs> He's like, okay, story's done. Let me take a sip. I was 17 years old. <laughs> from from that, from 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 all that nonsense to this. Yeah. To, to the wow quite the journey right quite the journey for him also yeah. shout out to him for the ko mania t-shirt saying trans rights as well yeah um also great stuff yes so good but yeah like kevin owens deserved that spot oh yeah um and you know everyone's making jokes about uh you know y'all really wanted him to go to aew and work the dark order in a row on aew dark like it, it look it Obviously, there are reasons people want Kevin Owens or wanted Kevin Owens not to resign with WWE and to go to AEW. And obviously, that's a personal decision. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. He makes a decision he makes that's right for him. And obviously, when we were speculating on that, we had no idea that he went, wait, you mean I get the main event of WrestleMania in Dallas against Austin in his return match after 19 years? And we're going 14 and it's no holds barred? where do i sign yeah like, i mean like do what does, what what, what, what do you want bonus? do you want my soul um <laughs> that's fine as long as my family's fed i don't care like <laughs> no like this is like if this was like the moment that kind of that that, that they pitched to him to sell him mm -hmm. on resigning yeah we don't know for sure but if it was i get it yeah, exactly. Um, or if he had any inkling that this was a possibility, even, you know, yeah. that's that's worth the jump. That's worth the attempt. Um, because yeah, it's just just fantastic stuff. Outstanding, outstanding way to close the show. That that closes out night one of WrestleMania thirty eight.
and uh, and going in um mm-hmm. i wanted bianca and becky to be the main event i think in many ways it really felt like a true main event caliber match and the only other main event caliber match on this show i think cody and seth was definitely of that tier but you don't need to do that with somebody who's just returning um but that said I wanted Bianca and Becky to main because how the hell was I supposed to know that Stone Cold was coming back for 14 and no holds barred match? Exactly. Exactly. Who's supposed in, to see this coming? In any other year, yeah. Bianca any, and Becky should Any have other them. circumstance, yes, Bianca and Becky deserve the main event, but, you know, well, it, it is what it is. Yeah, this, exactly. This, this is truly once in a lifetime, and you can't pass that opportunity up if it's there. I get it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, Patches, any final thoughts on, on night one as we are just a couple of hours away from night two here as we wrap up? Um, yeah, RIP night two, because it has to follow night <laughs> one. Um, I mean, look, I, I'm excited about some of the things tonight. I'm excited to see Edge, even though I don't really care for AJ Styles for uh, gay community reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, They'll be great. Um, Brock Lesnar has his issues, obviously, but that's going to be a good match. I don't expect anything less from Roman. Um, his character's been firing all cylinders. Uh, and, you know, I expect Johnny Knoxville to be silly and hilarious. And I expect the women to absolutely kill it with probably like 13 minutes less than they deserve. But again, even if everything kills, I don't see them outdoing night one. Um, and that's not a knock on night two, really. It's just night one was so good. Um, it, it struggled to get off the ground, but once I got rolling, once, once Becky's entrance hit, it was pretty much all uphill aside from that transphobic detour. Um, but everything else was good. Yeah, no, night one blew, blew me away in terms of expectation versus what, versus what we got. And, and yeah. it was so good. Um, I think really the only thing I need to say about night two as we head into things is that um, either Sasha and Naomi or Shayna and Natalia better walk out with this one of the tag belts. Um, that's, I, that, that's just a I will thing say um, there's definitely a part of me that wants Sasha and Naomi for certain reasons. And there's part of me that wants Natalia and Shayna for certain reasons. And I don't know. I just saw some really cute photos of Rhea and Liv with kids at WrestleMania access and one little girl was dressed up like Rhea and now yes. I want Rhea and Liv to rent. <laughs> <laughs> so basically anyone except Carmella and Zelina. <laughs> yeah. And that's really not a knock against Carmella and Zelina. Um, no. It's just, I, I'm, I, I think it's going to be great. Um, the last time we had a fatal four way tag team women's match, it was, you know, Beth and Natalia and Iconics and all of them. Um, there may have been another, but that's the one that really stands out in my mind thinking back to women's tag four ways at mania. Um, so knowing kind of what those matches can do when they really come together and knowing all the talent that's in this one, I expect it to be something special. Yeah. Really looking forward to that one, especially since that's our one queer representative on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the true token. <laughs> I, either way, it's going to be a fun night tonight. Um, yeah. and, and looking forward to it. Patches, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat about night one of WrestleMania 38 with me today. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Um, it's always great to be back. Uh, 
you can find me pretty much everywhere at Patches Chance, mostly on Twitter, but I do have an Instagram that I pretend I keep up with. Um, also, you know, we're still very early on in our project, but check out Let Them Wrestle at letthemwrestle.com or at Let Them Wrestle on Twitter. And uh, check out my other podcast, World Championship Rewind, or at WC Rewind on Twitter. We, you know, just kind of dive back into WCW, which I didn't get to see as it aired. And so it's pretty much just my sibling and I, both queer, uh, talking about WCW as we're watching it one show at a time. So it's a fun time. Always a blast. Thank you, Patches. Yeah, thank you. My thanks once again to Patches for coming on the show. Um, like I said, we, we talked about night one before night two happened, and I feel like night two might have uh, superseded expectations based <laughs> off where we landed at the end of, of that chat there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Either way, night number one, one to remember, a whole lot of fun, a, a, a couple of really outstanding matches, a lot of other really good matches on the card, an iconic moment. Uh, a couple of iconic moments, you know, with uh, actually, yeah, more than a couple, to be real. I mean, Cody's return, Bianca winning that belt again, and of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. Um, just amazing, uh, outstanding, overachieving uh, night of, of pro wrestling action down there in Dallas for night number one. That's going to do it for this episode, though. Make sure to remember, we have episodes on Big Gay Brunch. Uh, as well as For the Culture and WrestleMania Night Number 2 coming out this week. The Big Gay Brunch episode should be up now as you're listening to this, so hop over there and listen to that one. It's, trust me, it's worth it. It's a great conversation covering an amazing event featuring a number of the talents that you've heard right here on this podcast. So uh, definitely check that one out. But uh, until you hear my voice again, because it's weird not to say next week anyway, Until you hear my voice again, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible, and protect trans kids. Bye!